You may not always see it, but there is a lot of sweet in every mess and in all of the mundane. Exodus 3.8 is a promise to deliver us from the brokenness of life into one filled with hope. We are here to remind you of God's faithfulness and how His love can lead you into a land flowing with milk and honey. Join us, Lindsay and Amaris, as we get raw and share practical wisdom for all things marriage, motherhood, faith, and womanhood. So grab a cup of coffee and get cozy. This is the Milk and Honey Podcast. Hey friends, it's Lindsay, and today I am riding solo, and I am going to talk about the gospel. So I think most Christians have a general understanding of what the gospel is, but it may be a concise understanding. We may not know exactly where salvation is discussed in the Bible, repentance is discussed in the Bible, and I think having that knowledge can be really beneficial and helpful when we are making disciples, when we are sharing the gospel with people, and when we are planting those seeds of faith in the people that we love or even in strangers. And I just want to reiterate, as a believer, we never, ever, ever outgrow the need to hear the gospel. We can study theology, we can listen to debates, we can consistently fill our minds with wisdom, but the gospel takes us back to the heart of Jesus and what he did for us and the purpose of everything that we believe in. And we also never outgrow the need to preach it to the people that we love. So if we love people as we love ourselves, like it says in Mark 12, 31, we will feel compelled to tell them the truth. And I know that it's offensive. I know that it can be super uncomfortable to talk about this with people who do not believe and yet you love them enough to want to tell them the truth. So I have a story of this. I have a friend and he's one of my favorite people in the world. He lives a very different lifestyle than me. He has chosen a lot of different paths, and I love him dearly. One night, he attempted suicide, and he went to the hospital, and luckily they were able to save his life. He was found completely alone. And for me, as soon as I heard that news, I was just completely gutted and devastated. I cannot even voice to you how broken I felt because of how much my husband and I love him and how dear he is to us. And immediately I thought, I've never really shared with him. Like we've hung out, we've all had dinner and we've spent time together, but I've never really shared the gospel, the truth of what I believe with him. And I do believe strongly in sharing life with people and allowing them to see that fruit of your life. But we also can't expect them to get the gospel just by how we live. We cannot expect them to know that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, that he rose again for them, that they are broken sinners by just hanging out with them. We have to speak the word as well. And I know that it's something that we can very easily shy away from and we can justify sometimes not talking about it because we're introverts or it makes us uncomfortable or it might ruin the friendship. And all those things could be a hindrance, but we have to fight the desire to use those justifications because if we love someone, we will tell them the truth. So with that friend... I called him over and I said, hey, I just want to talk to you. Will you come over? And Jesse and I sat with him on the couch and he told us his story and what happened and why he did what he did and the depression that had been eating away at him. And I just told him 
here's the deal. We've been living life alongside you. You know that I'm a Christian. You know what I believe. You know what I stand for. But I've never shared with you. And I know this might make you uncomfortable. And I love you so much. And Jesse loves you so much. Just know that we hope at the end of this conversation that we can pick right back up where we left off and continue living life together. But I cannot live with myself if I don't share with you what I believe to be the truth and the only way to heaven. You could tell he was a little uncomfortable. He wasn't super excited and into it. He was wary and I get that. And I was. I was nervous. My palms were sweating. My palms always sweat when I talk about anything. Even when I do podcasts, I get like nervous and amped up and excited. And I felt the same way. And I think a lot of the time when I share, if I'm honest, I try to make it more palatable. I try to make it something where people can take it in slowly. And then I'm like, oh, okay, next time we'll dig a little bit deeper because When I was first a believer, I beat people over the head with a Bible. I'm sure you guys have heard me say that before, but I was rough with it all, and I pushed a lot of people away. But I've recently really fought to find a balance to where I speak the bold truth and still share it in love, and I'm hoping that I can help you learn how to do that today. So 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 through 11 says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. And so what I want to share with you today is maybe you need to hear this. Maybe you've been going to church for a really long time and kind of going through the motions and you just do Sunday church with your family, but you're not living out an active faith day to day. Or you know this truth, you believe this truth, but you've never shared it with anyone else. You guys, either way, I just love you and I care enough about you to share this with you. And I hope that you will open your hearts today that whether you're driving in your car, you're doing laundry, or you're ready to go to bed, that these words, whether you've been a believer of 50 years or of 50 minutes, that they will sink so deeply into your heart and remind you of what Christ did for you on the cross. So one way that has helped me to be specific about what the Bible says is to go through the book of Romans. And a lot of people call it the Romans Road. And if you haven't checked out our website yet, it is mnhministries.com. So M&H, like milk and honey, mnhministries.com. And you can go there and subscribe if you haven't already subscribed. And we will send this out in a printable format so you can print it out and have it on hand. If you're already a subscriber, which I know a ton of you are, then we'll just send it out to you and you'll have it for safekeeping. So let's begin. The first part of the Romans Road, it talks about the state of every human and how we have sinful hearts and how God is a holy God. And when we come to a place where we acknowledge this, that we are sinners, it's ultimately an admission of guilt. So Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, we hear a lot of people who say, but I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I do random acts of kindness. I pay for the person in the Starbucks line behind me, (laughs) or I feed the homeless, or I have an entire nonprofit designated to helping people. 
That is love, but it does not dismiss the sin that still lives in our hearts. If you look at a toddler, they start their lives (laughs) being crazy, rambunctious, angry, sinful little children, right? My one and a half year old is at the stage where he is angry and he is hitting things and he is screaming no, and he is just losing his mind. And I'm having to tame him and structure him and help him to see the purpose of things and why we don't do that. And nobody can deny that that sin exists. There's a man called Ray Comfort, and he is so encouraging to me when it comes to sharing the gospel. If you haven't looked him up on YouTube, look him up. He works alongside Kirk Cameron, who used to be in Growing Pains, but he is so good at communicating and dialoguing with people. My first tip to you is if you start sharing this, if people start lashing back or they start getting frustrated or angry, to respond with apologetics. And what apologetics is, in its purest sense, is asking questions. So instead of telling people, aside from sharing the gospel, you can ask them questions in return. And so one thing that Ray Comfort does is he begins by asking, do you believe that there's an afterlife? And Hebrews 2, 14 through 15 says, all of us are haunted by the fear of death all our lifetime. And I can tell you the second I turned 29, you guys, I don't know what it has been, but the fear of death has been real for me. And I have to use scripture to combat that and know that there is so much more joy awaiting me. But sometimes it's really hard for me. And I think a lot of us fear death. And the Bible says we fear death. If we do not believe in Jesus, we have no idea what is to come after death. And that's a scary thing. And when he asks this question, do you believe there's an afterlife? A lot of people will say, I don't know, or maybe, or probably. And he asks, are you afraid of death? And their response, it seems like it kind of dissipates his fears because they say, yeah, I think about death all the time. And that's a common response. And so it allows him to have that open door. And that can be an open door that we can ask someone when we're wanting to have this conversation, ready to have this conversation. We can ask, are you afraid of dying? Are you, do you ever think about it? And like Hebrews says, all of us are haunted by the fear of death. And so we can start talking and responding to that. Okay, well, we can see that there's a creator because of the birds and the trees and that every single person in the world has this insanely intelligent and complex and individualistic DNA that structures and determines who we are. And that shows the genius of God's hand. And then we also know right and wrong. We are born with a knowledge of right and wrong, although we may always choose wrong because we're sinners. We know that there's a difference between the two. We have a God-given moral compass. And if you haven't ever researched moral relativism, I can't get into it here, but I would love to get into it eventually. But it's a really cool way of thinking in regards to good versus bad, right versus wrong, and how we can navigate that when we're talking to people and asking them questions and using apologetics. And so Ray Comfort, in his questioning, he asks, do you think you're a good person? Have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen something? And they say yes and yes. And then he says, so you're a lying thief. Have you ever used God's name in vain? And they'll say, yeah, all the time. And he says, that's blasphemy. In the Bible, that's a really serious offense. Have you ever lusted after someone? And especially most men will say, yeah, I lust all the time. 
And the Bible says that if you look with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. So have you ever looked with lust? And they say, yes, 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 to all of these things. So they're admitting guilt. He's not putting this on them and saying, you do this, you do this. He says, so by your admission, you're saying that you're lying, thieving, blasphemer, and adulterer. And they say, well, yeah, I guess so. You know, and a lot of the time they take it really lightheartedly, but I think those are the seeds that begin to be planted. So don't be discouraged if they respond with mockery or laughing, you know, because we are not intended, I want to be really clear on this, we are not intended to save people when we share the gospel. You can plant the seed and it's powerful to plant the seed and somebody else may water it and you can pray for those people who are watering it for that person. But God is the one who makes it grow. And it says in 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 9, that neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. And I think that he added this into scripture so that we can be fully aware that we are not responsible for their salvation. It takes this load off of our shoulders when we look at our children and we want them to be saved, or we look at our parents and we want them to be saved because we love them so much and know the depth of this importance, we have to still step back and say, I am not the one who saves them. I just wanted to make that little note because sometimes it can be a really heavy burden that we carry. And I just want to tell you in love, that is not your burden to bear. And so as he tells them, you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous, adulterer, would you be innocent or guilty on judgment day if God judged you? Would that be heaven or hell? And they usually say guilty, and I would probably go to hell. And then Ray Comfort goes on to describe that God is a God of justice. Just like if someone you loved was raped and murdered, you would hope that that judge would commit that person to life in prison, right? Because you want justice. And God is a God of justice. We can't ask him to spare certain people who may have done really wrong just because we care for them. He has to be a fair judge. He has to be a fair God. And righteousness is important to him, and he is a holy God. So when we sin against him with all of the gross, yucky stuff inside of our hearts and the secret sins that we carry in our lives that we don't want other people to know about, he sees those, and he gives us the option to turn away from that and to choose him. And when we choose him, God covers us and makes us white as snow so that he sees us just as he sees his son who is fully righteous and holy. So going back to the Romans road, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Next is the fact that sin has an ending. So number two, sin has an ending and that ending is death or hell. So Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. But the second half of that verse tells us of the hope that's in Jesus and in salvation. And it says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we cannot earn this gift. We can only receive it from God. There's nothing that we can do. We can't work hard and serve the homeless enough to earn our way up to God. We can only receive the gift of salvation from him. Number three is a reminder that God loves us. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Number four, asking God for forgiveness. 
once we understand that we need a savior, once we see the depth of our sin, and I think a lot of us have different moments where we experience this. For me, one of the main points in time that I can remember is I was walking home completely drunk from a house. I was walking in the pouring rain in a super sleazy dress down a main road in my city And I was going to an ex-boyfriend's house that I had tried to cut out multiple times, but in moments when I felt lonely, I would just go back. And I had this moment where I just broke down crying and said, God, this cannot be all that you have for me. What am I doing? And in that moment, I really saw the depth of my sin. I saw the depth of what I had been doing and the brokenness that I was living in. And I was lucky enough to have people in my life who had shared the gospel with me in love and in boldness. And I had those thoughts in my head. They planted the seed. And I would go back there in my moments of brokenness. And I would always think back to what they had told me. It just resonated with me. So they didn't see the fruit of that for years and years and years. But it did its work. And God did the growth. And so Romans 10, 9 through 10 is where we repent. So when we know, okay, I was born a sinner, I am depraved, and I am against God if I am not saved, and that we see that the wages of that sin that we live in is hell, but that the gift that God gives us is eternal life, and that He just wants us to receive it, at that point, then we respond with repentance. And so Romans 10, 9 through 10 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead— You will be saved for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. This response, you guys, we can all respond this way. If you feel that tugging on your heart, if you feel God calling you to him, you can respond and say, God, I give up. My hands are up. I am done trying to run this life, which I'm running straight into the ground. I can't do this anymore. Take over. I am yours. I want you to be my savior. Forgive me for all of the sin that I've been living in. Forgive me for fighting against you and for turning against you and for living the way that I wanted to live. Help me to live the way that you want me to live. And the verse Romans 10, 13, it always gives me chills because it expresses God's ability to save everyone. And it says, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It is a gift for you. It is a gift for me. It is a gift for everyone. And it is the greatest gift that we could ever receive. And so then it goes to number five, the result of salvation. And the result of our salvation is peace and hope and eternal life and relationship with God. I always think of the song, It Is Well With My Soul. It's one of my favorite hymns. And if you haven't ever heard it before, the wording might be a little strange to you. But when you listen to it and take time to understand it, it is so beautiful and refreshing. But some of the lyrics are, When peace like a river attendeth my way, When sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot, whatever I have going on, Thou hast taught me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, Let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate. He has seen how broken and helpless I am in my own life. But it says, 
and hath shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, O the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. It's so beautiful. And that is what we get when we receive salvation. It doesn't make life easier when we surrender our lives to God, right? And we can share that with the people that we're telling the gospel to. This does not guarantee that your life is going to get better, that it's going to get easier, but it's going to mean that the Lord, the God of gods, the God of all creation, the God of this universe is going to carry those burdens for you, that he's going to walk alongside you, that he's going to place people in your life who will support you and uplift you and not tear you down, but they will point you back to him and keep your eyes on the hope that Jesus offers. And so Romans 5, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. There's another version of the Bible called the message, because that can be a little difficult to understand, especially for people who haven't read a lot of the Bible. But it says, by entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with him, make us fit for him. We have it all together with God because of our master Jesus, and that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his door to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. And the beauty of all of this, you guys, is that we are in right standing with God. And as Romans 8.1 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The path of hell that people are living before they give their lives to Jesus is no longer their path. Their path is to Christ. But we don't come to that just by saying one little prayer and then going along with our lives. We are called to repent, which means to ask God for forgiveness and then actively turn away from our sin. It is a new life. It's choosing to surround yourself with people who love Jesus. It's choosing to surround yourself with people who love Jesus, the church body. It's choosing to share the good news with other people. It's choosing to love others as you love yourself. And ultimately, it is to worship God and to seek Him all the days of your life. And so the end of my story, my friend who Jesse and I shared the gospel with is not saved. He had a lot of questions. He didn't get defensive. I cannot say that for everyone I've shared the gospel with. He just listened and he said, thank you and went on his way. And we are still friends. I still love him so much and I still pray for him all the time. But I know that I did what God called me to do and I can have peace with that. Now, there are people that I have shared the gospel with that by God's grace have been saved. I It makes me emotional. Um, I shared the gospel with one of my very best friends who I've known since I was four years old, and it was a fight, you guys. <laughs> we went back and forth, and I would invite her to church, and she would bail on me last minute, and she would make up excuses, and I would find out she was drunk or doing drugs, um, which she's very open to discussing now. 
but it was for probably a year. And she recently told me that the first time I took her to lunch to tell her about Jesus, she thought I had lost my ever-loving mind. (laughs) She was thinking, when can I leave? This girl is nuts. She's lost it. And we didn't talk for months. Um, I tried reaching out and she didn't respond. I kept inviting and inviting and inviting and just telling her I loved her. And eventually she came. It was pulling teeth, but she came. And I remember the first night at church, she just was, she grabbed my Bible and she was just searching, searching through it for all of these things. She wanted to look up abortion. She wanted to look up abstinence. She wanted to look up the 10 commandments. She wanted to know what God said about what she had done. And we then started talking more. It still took months and months and months. And one night God had grown that seed and she surrendered her life. And we are now, oh my gosh, it makes me so emotional. I haven't really talked about it much, but we're now 10 years in and we are still best friends, but now we get to live life together, loving Jesus. And it has been one of the greatest friendships. And she now pours truth into my life like I can't even explain. She has changed me. She has strengthened my relationship with the Lord. Who would have thought that this girl who was doing drugs and even crazier than I was somehow would come to know the Lord and that we would live this life together? It is so beautiful. And I have so many stories like that, you guys. I have so many friends where it took years and years and years And eventually God saves them. He shows them. He reveals himself to them. But that is not to boast in myself for doing that because I was terrified most of the time. I did not want to do it, but God put that on my heart and I responded in obedience because I knew that that is what I do if I love someone enough. And so I just want to encourage you guys today. Don't beat people over the head with the Bible. Approach them. Ask them questions. Use apologetics. Study apologetics so that you know how to utilize that well. Don't be afraid to buy someone lunch and then talk to them about Jesus and ask them if they know where they're going when they die. Have those conversations. Just prick their conscience and start the conversation. You are only responsible to plant the seed. So I love you guys. I hope that this was encouraging to you. Like I said, I'll have the Romans Road on a printable for you. So if you are subscribed or if you go and subscribe to mnhministries.com, you can just sign up there and we will get it sent over to you. Thank you guys as always for listening and for supporting Milk and Honey. It means the world. If you enjoyed this episode, you might also enjoy episode 18, How to Know If You Have a Rotting Heart. Bye guys. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the Milk and Honey Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a second to visit our page on iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. It would mean so much to us. Your review helps the show to be found by other women like you, and it also helps us to continuously grow and become better as a podcast. For a daily pick-me-up, follow me, Lindsay, on Instagram at Sparrows and Lily and Amorous at Amorous Beecher. Tune in next week for more laughter, fun, hope, and encouragement. Bye, guys.